on August 1st, I had given a, an annual party out here in the garden, right outside the window here. It turned out I got bit by a mosquito, but it was a wonderful party. On August 8th, I started to feel really bad. I was told that I had a high fever, and I was not really focusing or with it. I would call nothing from that point on. Nobody could figure out what I had. And so they put me in the intensive care unit. They put me on a ventilator, gave me a trach. Initially, they thought it might be Lyme's disease or any number of things. But they sent my blood off to the CDC in Atlanta, and it came back positive for West Nile virus. Only one out of 150 people who get bit by that mosquito get as sick as I get. Only one out of 10 who get as sick as I was come home. That's one out of 1,500. I wasn't responding to anything. I was just in a deep coma. There was kind of a round-the-clock vigil. My kids decided that a way to keep me mentally occupied was to take all my 60s and 70s songs and put them on a CD and play them endlessly. And I'm told that when I first opened my eyes and looked around, they were playing Olivia Newton's John's All That I Need Is The Air That I Breathe and To Love You. I was beginning to realize I was in the hospital, but not sure where or what day it was or what had really happened. The emotion I remember coming out of the coma was one of, how do I survive? How do I make sure I can keep breathing? How do I get through the night without having some mishap? Not much, how did this happen to me or why did it happen, but just how do you keep going? I began to realize that in addition to the encephalitis, I had West Nile poliomyelitis. So my right leg didn't move and my left arm didn't move. They started the physical therapy really early. They had to bring in this, like a fork truck lift, called a Hoyer lift, to move me out of the bed and plop me into a wheelchair. And they wanted me to sit up in that wheelchair as much as I could. I found it very painful to sit up. I just kept looking for what's the next thing I can do. My professional world is being a psychologist, from a behavioral psychologist working for B.F. Skinner to uh, an educational psychologist where I got my doctorate, learning cognitive psychology, and finally learning about brain psychology in the 80s. I was the founder of something called the Whole Brain Corporation with Ned Herman. And in that, we gave workshops all over the world to the Harvard Business School, to the government of Singapore, to the IBM, to teach not only how people think, but how 
they solve problems. And I used that problem-solving methodology all the time to figure out what am I interested in doing, what's my role, what philosophy and values, what is my purpose, how do I meet the next challenge or dilemma, what is my dream, what is the vision or the solution that comes to mind, how do I know if I get there, and what are my next steps. And I think that that ability or interest really paid off in the hospital. The fall shifted to a major effort to get me off the ventilator. It seemed to me that if they could get me off the ventilator, then I would demonstrate that I was well, and then I could go home. Last December, I really had hit rock bottom. I was out of the coma. People came around and said, do you know what day it is? Do you know where you are? Do you know what your name is? And I could do all three of those. That was a big step. But they decided that I wasn't making progress with my PT work. A medical person came by and looked at me over for five minutes, looked at my record, and in the family meeting said, I've evaluated Mr. Atkinson. His trend line is not good. In fact, he's never going to get well. Further, my uh, 90-day Medicare had run out. So that my insurance wasn't going to be paying for me staying there. They sent my family looking for a nursing home to warehouse me in. Uh, going home was out of the question. When I learned that my carbon dioxide levels were up to 55 and normal was 35 to 45, my problem solving said, that's why I'm so tired. I bet there's something that would be like a kidney dialysis machine that would be for my lungs instead of my kidneys. By that time, I was back on the Internet, and I discovered, oh, it's the ventilator. It's the thing they've been trying to take me off. In my case, the medical community was following a protocol that was standard for 99%, but not for me. And we had a family meeting in which we said, maybe there's something like a kidney dialysis machine. Maybe something could improve his carbon dioxide and he'd be strong again. And the, the pulmonologist said, I have an idea. We could put him back on the vent. And we said, that's brilliant. Let's try that. And he said, well, we can try that. And so they put me on the vent overnight, not during the day, and that would clear out the carbon dioxide. And that was a major thing that saved me. My carbon dioxide went down, my energy level went up, and I began to do more physical exercise, and I didn't need to go to a nursing home. In the wisdom of Medicare and Blue Cross Blue Shield, if you're on a ventilator, they'll pay for another year, which they won't pay for if you're not on the vent. I have lots of insights about how important it is 
for the idea of shared decision-making because I have a view of what's wrong with me that the medical community can only have secondhand. It took some doing on my part to understand the rules of the game. Nobody really told me, by the way, you're the patient. You're in charge. They work for you. And you don't have to accept everything they say. You can refuse. You better be careful about how you refuse because they're probably right. But they're not always right. There was a sense that the medical world is being conservative by telling you the worst. And that can be a real disservice if you take them seriously. I knew how much progress I'd made. The thing that's astounding to me is now all I can do and the awareness that some things I'll be able to do, I'll do much better. I'm a self-taught piano player. When I was in the hospital and my arms wouldn't move, and now I can sit at the piano and play with both hands and all ten fingers, and I'm much more careful at looking at the notes, playing so that I'm never looking at the keys. I am relying on my mental picture of the keyboard, and I can hit these notes up and down the keyboard more accurately in some senses than I could before I got sick. The medical world, it's a bell-shaped curve. There are those out there who care a lot and who will take a personal interest in you, and there are those out there who go through the motions. Taking my blood pressure keeping the, the oxygen thumb thing on my fingers, taking my temperature, and saying, you're looking very good, and go on to the next patient, but never dealing with me. But there, there was one CNA, Sandra, who really kept my bed sores and kept me going to be able to take advantage of the physical therapy opportunity. One of the physical therapists, Emma Shade, was a Hungarian physical therapy guru who had a more intuitive approach. She came along and tried me out for a week and said, if you'll commit to my boot camp, I will take you on and I'll see what I can do. Well, this was an offer I couldn't refuse. Turned out I was the only guy in the boot camp and it was six days a week. I've been in officer candidate ROTC boot camp. This was harder. The approach that the therapist took was whatever you're doing, you can always do more. More became the mantra. And every now and then I said, I can't take it any more. But Sandra, the CNA, said, you're going to take it. I think the happiest moment was my first walk down the parallel bars. I walked about eight steps holding on and I couldn't believe it. I now see what I've really always known that uh, it's hard if you take big steps but if you take a lot of little steps by the inch is a cinch and you can keep making progress. Recently I was as we all were, 
watching Nelson Mandela. Whatever drove him to uh, endure those 27 years, hell, I thought 444 days in the hospital was a lot. You get to realize that you're looking for that, who's that one person you can look to to uh, solve all the problems and hang on to. Well, of course, it's your wife and your kids and your best friends. But I think that the realization that I'm my own best friend, that if I'm at home and at peace and accepting of myself the way I am now, I can handle anything. In retrospect, the pains that I've overcome was so helped by the love that I felt for my family and what I would say to other people is tell your family how much you love them. Don't wait. I got to find out with a near miss and it was wonderful for me.